Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Josh Weiss. He is president and founder of LA Creative Technologies. We're going to talk to him about the work they do in cannabis. Uh, We're actually going to talk to him about uh, getting into cannabis as well. One of the things that I have found, and I've worked with lots of companies in the space that have pivoted into cannabis, realizing they've got a capability, a skill, a service that they can provide, and they get into the cannabis space. And I'm always interested in hearing people's stories. It's always a fun experience to kind of pivot into cannabis. Cannabis is a little different than a lot of industries. So I'm always interested in hearing what people have learned. Uh, And then we're going to talk to him about how technology is really playing out in the cannabis space. Obviously, as we get more sophisticated, the market grows. Cannabis has lots of regulations operationally and then obviously technically and security-wise. So we're going to talk to Josh about that. With that, Josh, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce. It's great to meet you and, and, and listeners. Great to be acquainted with you. Yeah, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Let's do a little bit of background before we kind of dig into the, uh, into the cannabis space. Give us a little history on you, on the company. How did you get into technology? What was the backstory? Yeah, well, first off, uh, LA Creative Technologies, 
We secure and streamline creative and passion-driven businesses, and I think that cannabis definitely falls into that category. But what that means essentially is that all kinds of businesses these days, we need technology to get our work done. Technology is like, it's like the plumbing of information and data, the way that I see it. And so whether we're helping people sort of understand like how cybersecurity is actually relevant to their business or helping them get online or just helping them be a little more connected with their with their clients and their employees, we're helping people handle that stuff. But me personally, my dad was a computer programmer. And so before I ever really thought about what I wanted to do for a living, I was just getting acquainted with technology. I was selling books and records on the Internet when that was sort of like a, a digital transformation of the <laughs> of the book selling space and of the record selling space, like literally just in like dusty book and record stores, like, you know, before college. And so I ended up just playing with technology a lot. Of course, at that same time, my first business was actually in the cannabis space. But, uh, you know, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother story that <laughs> like, <laughs> that we like many people, like many people. Yeah, but what be. ended up happening, I studied U.S. history in college. I had really no concept what I was going to do. But somehow through working in bookstores and then working in our college radio station and, and doing production and technology work there, I ended up just doing a lot of work that would train me to be a consultant in my later career because there was never quite enough money and it was always like, just go figure this out and make this work and plug these things in and make yeah. it happen. Yeah. Um, I went I went in my late 20s. I lived in Guatemala for a year, studied Spanish, and I ended up working. I worked for a technology nonprofit there, and I was helping build some computer labs in rural schools, and I was teaching computer classes, kind of like getting, that's a good way to practice another language is to teach teach technology classes in that language and see what happens. Yeah, sure. And when I came back from that trip, I had this idea that I would, you know, I printed up some clip art flyers with little computers on them, and I, and I popped them up around the neighborhood, and I thought, hey, maybe I can you know, consult for three months and save up a couple grand and, and go traveling again. And that was 12 years ago. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> Still saving. <laughs> now, now I'm curious because of lack of funds or the lack of interest in traveling. But <laughs> Yeah, no, you know what happened is I, I couldn't have even fathomed I was going to get a business off the ground. It wasn't yeah. quite my intention. It was kind of by accident. And, you know, somehow... Somehow, since then, I was able to take those those cheap rates I threw on clip art and actually turn those into professional rates and, you know, build a business. And I have a team now with people in L.A. and on a couple different continents. And, and it's been a really interesting journey. And the thing that, you know, the thing that's so interesting about being on this particular podcast today is I, is I had this vision as, you know, as I was just going around, like literally removing viruses from from people's computers and like setting up iTunes for, for people at their house. And, you know, I had no concept I was going to work for businesses yet. And I thought maybe just maybe I'll be able to work with businesses and I'll be able to work with businesses that I understand culturally because my background comes from I'm also a DJ and an event producer back when there were still events. Yeah. Um, I've been doing that also for 20 years. And, you know, I thought maybe I'll be able to work with creatives and maybe I'll be able to work with, I mean, God forbid, you know, cannabis. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, but the whole thing and, you know, I think that for, you know, it's always so important from a leadership perspective and to be able to have passion in your work in general, to be able to work in industries and with people with whom you have a cultural affinity 
shall we say. And and that's really the vision that has come to fruition in the last couple of years, especially where I work with, I'm able to work with people in the cannabis industry. And I work with, uh, I work with a couple of nonprofits that throw concerts and we, you know, we work with designers and sort of marketing people and everyone that we work with, they're, you know, they're people that we get along with and they're people that understand us. And so that's sort of how I ended up in the space that I'm in. And it was a very sort of organic, natural flow. Yeah. And tell me, I mean, I always find with service companies is there's, it's kind of the art of the niche, like figuring out kind of the area of specialty. How has that played out for you? And then how did cannabis play into that as they were, as you were kind of figuring out, you know, how to really kind of create a focused area that, you know, you could really provide a unique service around? Yeah. Well, I mean, cannabis, I would say came probably, it's probably the last one of our niches to come into play. But I mean, really how that first played out is, you know, I think for those services business, you go through a while of just saying yes to every deal you can get. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've chasing the money. Yeah, I've certainly been there myself. And, you know, it takes, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's a couple different things. Like there's some soft focus in terms of we can really only work with people who value technology. Cause I think that there's certain IT providers who like to, Come in every couple months, charge you a couple grand, do whatever they do, and then not hear from you again. And that's not us. We like to maintain partnerships with people. And so part of it was just figuring that out of how do we describe the type of client that we like to work with and someone who values the work that we do. But then beyond that, it really came, you know, as I said, this this creative niche. I mean, I have creative in my company name, so yeah. that that helped. But I, I would say it was probably first working with an organization called Grand Performances in downtown Los Angeles who produces concerts. And when I first moved back to L.A., my social life revolved around going to these outdoor concerts at, this, at, at Grand Performances. And, yeah. you know, a few years later, I ended up taking over the IT for this organization. And I think that was when it clicked for me that, wow, we can actually have this hyper-targeted niche there. I, I don't know another IT provider. I can't find one in Los Angeles. I don't know that there's more than one or two in the whole U.S. who would say that they focus specifically on, on music and creative in the way that we do. And I think from there, I was able to see we also work with a, with a lot of architecture businesses and have gotten to know that yeah. vertical very well because one of our first business clients was an architect. And so I think by looking at, hey, architecture, music, kind of putting those together, the other people we work well are sort of startups and people who have a sort of a young kind of software as a service cloud first focus. And Mm -hmm. then cannabis fits in well with those worlds because pretty much everyone in cannabis is a startup at this point. And I find that, you know, I find that there's a cultural affinity. I've been in that world. I sort of came, I came of age in the space. Yeah. And uh, interesting. And so when I look now, you know, we get involved in a there. There was an in-person meetup that was happening every month called the Southern California Cannabis Business Investment Group. They're okay. they're pivoting into other things now. They're called Emerald Market now, and they're they're doing a podcast because what what else can you do <laughs> yeah, in exactly. 2020? Yeah. But you know that world, I got to know them because their founder is also a DJ and an event producer in LA, who I've been to a thousand events with. And so I think because of that combination between the creative music world and the cannabis world that stuff all came into play and that niche makes sense when something you know i guess for anyone listening i had this moment when i first got into selling sort of it managed services and not just being you know like an it plumber so to speak but someone who has an ongoing business relationship with clients and we had this the provider who was getting fired so that my firm could get hired he did some google and he said to the, you know, he thought he was hot shit. And you know, he said, I found out that this guy, Josh Weiss, is a DJ. 
And what he didn't realize is that his client was on the board of directors of like one of the biggest ra- uh, music radio stations in L.A. And she said, great, who cares? <laughs> and, and like that was that moment for me where I was able to say, OK, so something which could be used against you, you could turn yeah. around and just use that. I could turn around and use that in my own benefit. Ooh, it's like a strategic jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like I don't I don't have to push too hard. Right. <laughs> just Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that that's how I would say that, that that played out and that the niche kind of evolved organically. It didn't have to be, you know, it didn't have to sit down and do a bunch of research to get into the niche so much as it was just like yeah. using what I already knew and using what my yeah. strengths were. Any good examples of, of companies you worked with that you realized were not a good fit? <laughs> like was there, was there clarification on the other side without without naming name of guilty of the guilty or anything? But I mean, you know what? The biggest thing... You know, we could start out literally by saying we don't work well with mean people. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, it sounds so obvious, but like when we have a client who whenever anything goes wrong, they're going to pick up the phone and start yelling and screaming. And my employees are scared of working with those people, literally. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so terrible for morale. It's, It's terrible from an HR perspective. And, you know, there's these two specific companies. They were these like you know, 10, 15 person, both sort of like presenting themselves as, as startup-y, but just run by like the operations manager from hell, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny, they were both, I don't know why it worked out this way, but they were both these like very mean women. And I don't know if me and my primary engineer, I think they like triggered mom issues in us or something like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't even know how else to say it. It was like this like petrifying fear of like, and then, you know, there's other people who are, we make far more profit from and are far better companies, but they're pleasant. And so that's number one. It's like literally looking for pleasant people. Like the first, you know, so that's one thing. Are you pleasant? And those are both companies. One of them fired us. And then like two weeks later, I fired the other one. I just was like, yeah. this is not, because it feels so good to let a client go, oh, in a God, sense, yeah. you know, or like when, you know, one of them, I had thought for six months I was going to let them go and then they fired me. And I said, ah, you can't, that's your own. <laughs> you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> yeah. That's your own jujitsu. You just pulled off. Right. It makes me feel twice <laughs> as bad. So, I mean, that's one of them. It's just, you know, companies where the people are mean. Another type. I mean, I would say that my client base were, were a little nimbler. Since COVID came, you know, we've stopped working with one or two people and things are a little quieter. Then there's like one left right now that, you know, if I were to describe why they're not a great fit and why we'll probably end up not working with them soon, it's that they view their technology strictly as an expense. And it's really, it's tough because no one can actually make money in in this day and age without technology. I mean, it's just yeah. it's a given, right? I mean, even if all you do is have your Office 365 or your G Suite email addresses and nothing else, like and your website, you cannot run your business without those things. And so to look at them as purely an expense is a little bit crazy, right? And I mean, yeah. I think it's I think it's the same thing. I mean, you're a business coach, so you have the same thing, right? Are you going to look at your coaching as this sort of expense line item, or is yeah, this exactly. going to help you grow your company? And, and so we, you know, this client is constantly trying to nickel and dime and trying to say that 
you know, this is too expensive, that's too expensive. And, you know, I want to look at them and say, so we've been supporting you for almost 10 years. Have you had a single cybersecurity incident? Have you had, has anyone sent out a phishing email? Has anyone been hacked? Has anything happened? Have you lost any data in that 10 years, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, so even if you're not sort of looking at technology as this huge enabler of your work, I think the simple fact that you've had peace of mind for a decade should be a pretty amazing thing. Yeah, it's hard when you're selling non-events. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, how do you prove you've done your job? Well, because nothing's happened. <laughs> nothing's happening. It's kind of amazing yeah. like when you're really looking at the course of this yeah. last decade. I mean, a lot. There's been a lot of movement in the space of of technology yeah. and security, and like simply having someone who can keep up with those movements for your company. It's worth yeah. a lot, and it's something you'd have to pay, you know, a good two hundred grand to have someone on your staff who's really doing like the type of research and and staying on top of things. And so, yeah. you know, basically, you know, the wrong fit are people who are mean and people who don't really see the value of technology because technology is really exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about technology and cannabis. So, uh, I mean, I would, I, you know, clearly you were, you know, interested and had, you know, personal connection to cannabis. So that I'm sure made a lot of the process easy. But what were some of the things that were challenges as you kind of figured out how to bring your business into the cannabis space? What did you know was going to be a challenge that you had to deal with? What did you not anticipate that came up? Give us a little insight in terms of the, the transitioning into cannabis. Well, the first thing that 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 we've seen as really interesting is trying to take the message of technology, you know, whether it be sort of talking about the the larger scale, like strategic digital transformation, or even literally like what is IT service? Because in the cannabis space, you know, since it's since it's it's so new as a formal business practice, so literally trying to make how do I say this? Like trying to have it make sense, right? If someone asks what we do, like if you're a lawyer and you meet me and you ask what we do, and, you know, if I go to the basics and I say, I run an IT company, right? Like if you're a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor, you're going to know what that means. You're going to have a context for that. And in cannabis, people usually say, what's IT? Yeah. And, or, you know, what is cybersecurity? I give a talk to to 100 cannabis entrepreneurs. And the person who booked me said, I guarantee you, none of these people like even know what cybersecurity is. So yeah. whereas, you know, if you're a doctor and you're dealing with HIPAA concerns, you may not care about cybersecurity. It may not interest you whatsoever. But because you're getting hit over the head with HIPAA, you know that there are people who sell a service called cybersecurity. And so what yeah. we ran into in cannabis is how do you get this to make sense to people? that they need this, right? And so, you know, somewhere that we started there is that, you know, in cannabis, you're used to thinking about security in terms of protecting cash and in terms of protecting product, maybe in terms of if you're, if you're in retail, you know, you have your physical security going on. But speaking about cannabis facilities and the way that if you have a facility, you need your internet to work because you have regulations around your security cameras. And right, how the data needs to be stored, how much content, uh, how many days need to be stored with those cameras. And then sort of taking those types of requirements, right, and saying, well, if the Wi-Fi goes down, then none of that works. So I started mm -hmm. explaining, you know, that we can basically turn on the Internet and make sure that the Wi-Fi always works so that your cameras work and so that your access control works. Right. So it's sort of like painting that story where if you have a facility to maintain that you know what IT pertains to in that way. 
And so that was, I think, one of the major challenges. You have the challenge of cash businesses. You know, we did a, we were courting a deal with someone who does, who does public relations. And so, you know, obviously in the ancillary space. And we were going back and forth and we couldn't even tell if the guy was real or not. And then finally he's like, Hey, you know what? I can't pay you with the check. I need to pay you cash. And it was really interesting. Like we met him at the bank Mm -hmm. and you know, so sort of like navigating that whole thing of like, you have to move into sort of a more of like, uh, how do you say this? Intuitive trust in a sense, right? (laughs) Do I want to do business with this guy? Because I no longer have the protection that I'm used to. And you know, he's, He's an awesome guy. And, and it, it went on to, you know, being a really great partnership. But where, you know, being used to these like formal protections and sort of formal business practices and then moving out of that was a really interesting process. So, you know, I think I think languaging has been interesting and important and just like culture, in a sense, has been interesting and, and important as well. And then just since since this space is so new, I've found that to be very different. And, and we're sort of, you know, we're, we're in a new we're in a new space and I don't see a lot of people talking about what we do. And so we've been sort of like putting that together as we go. Yeah, I'm sure. Any recommendations, advice you give to, you know, a, a company that's, you know, not in cannabis, that thinks about getting into cannabis, things they need to consider, things they need to do to make that transition successful, whether it's, you know, kind of strategic stuff or mindset things? I mean, what else do you think really you need to do to be successful? Well, I think that a lot of it is cultural fit, right? I mean, because in cannabis, because of what I just said, especially because you have less formal protections, because there's just, there's less industry publications, there's less sort of like formal network and business practice around this. Cultural Mm -hmm. fit is very important. I mean, I think that there's a funny thing when I hear you know, like we were doing business with a company that was helping people in LA get licenses for retail. And they had been in the space before they were an agricultural testing company. And, you know, they oh. had been in business for 25 years. And, you know, I have this sort of joke in my head that whenever I see a pivot like that, someone who goes from this like very, very sort of like old school practice into <laughs> cannabis that like, are you, does that mean that you smoke pot? Right. Uh-huh. But it's the reason that I bring that up is because I almost think that it's, that it's needed. It's almost like you have to have like a cultural affinity for cannabis or else you're not going to fit in. It's not going to make sense. And so that's part of it. Like, I mean, you know, you have to be a stoner. No, but like you have to understand the culture of cannabis because more than any other industry that I've ever worked in, it's very specific. And it is almost like by design, it's been outside of the mainstream. So I think that that's the first thing. And the second, I think, is to understand that you're doing business with people who have been in less formal spaces. And, you know, like yourself, Bruce, who offers uh, business coaching in the cannabis space, it's like you're helping people to sort of merge this informal space with a more formal business space, right? Which, which yeah. requires an understanding and it requires a certain creativity because you have to understand the culture, but also like people are still like trying to make money, they're trying to get by. And, you know, I think of my buddy who lives up in Boonville and has a farm and he doesn't have interest in the kind of stuff that we're talking about today, but he's still like has to get his stuff into metric. He has to deal with track and trace. And so it's, it's really fascinating to look at you know, certain people in cannabis may need to buy like one specific product. So my buddy up in Boonville does not need a whole technology provider, but he still needs to deal with the technology. 
And so maybe, you know, but he's telling me he's got a bunch of farms and a collective up there who want to hire a marketing director because they want to put together some kind of brand. And so I think if you know the culture, there's some interesting opportunities that may look a lot different than your typical niche, but they're out there. Yeah, I think that's an important one is kind of figuring out what is your niche within cannabis and then, yeah, how do, how do you navigate some of the cultural differences and, and be open to the fact that, you know, cannabis does not work like other industries, part because it's very young and part because it's cannabis. And so, you know, just being willing <laughs> to flex a little bit, you know, as, as you get into the space. Tell me, in terms of the actual technical side of cannabis, I mean, what, I mean, I know there are lots of regulations. I mean, you mentioned some of the security things. When you're working with a cannabis company, and I'm sure it depends on, on kind of where they exist within the kind of growth chain of the process, what's on your checklist of things they need to think about, things they need to really kind of, you know, make sure that they're doing from a technology and a security point of view? So the first thing that we would do, and so let's say that there was a company, this was an ancillary business that we were working within the cannabis space. And they were actually pivoting from being like a one man operation who just like had his Gmail account that he signed into and did his work to actually being like a eight, 10 person PR firm. And so they were sort of going from being a one man operation to being a firm. And so that, I think you got a lot of people in cannabis who are doing like a really fast startup move. And with them, it was like, do you have all your ducks in a row with your domain name, with your website? You know, are, yeah. like we're going to go from you signing into some Gmail account to you actually having an Office 365 world where, you know, where you log into and you can administer it. And like he actually had to fire some people really fast and he was glad that he had the ability to log in and, and control their accounts in that way. Yeah. And so, you know, so the first thing there is like from that sort of cloud startup, cloud startup of like, which laptops are your people using? Where are they going to be working from? Is your office set up correctly? Does your whole cloud environment make sense? So that's this, you know, that works really for any industry. But I think in cannabis, you have to deal with that with people going from informal to formal really fast. So first, there's that. Does your cloud environment make sense? And then we, you know, we like to work with manufacturing and with larger facilities. And so in there, the story that I like to tell or the way I like to look about that is that like, let's say you're going to be setting up a grow facility or a manufacturing facility is probably better for this particular story. And so you can, if you can come up with a raw street address, we can take that address and we can help you get the best internet, right? Because you're going to need like the right pipes coming into your building to be able to do what you need to do. And then we need to put together your site plan to make sure that you know where all your cameras are going to go in that space, because that's one of those compliance pieces where where cannabis comes in touch with with technology and compliance is having all your cameras in the right place. You need enough storage because those cameras are going to generate a whole bunch of data and you need to have your couple months of backfill on that data. So we got to get your internet coming in. We got to put all the cameras in the right place. We got to make sure we have somewhere to store all that information. You got to have your Wi-Fi in place and you got to have the right security on that Wi-Fi so people aren't hacking in. So that's essentially like the physical piece of your infrastructure, because what you don't want to do and what we see a lot of people do is they call, you know, they call the cable provider, they put a modem somewhere in a back corner somewhere, and they think that all their cameras are going to connect back to that modem and then it's done. And so, you know, from that like physical infrastructure and stability place is do you have the right pipes and do you have everything coming in? Is it, uh, is it all working? And so that's like for anyone listening who's got a facility or for maybe you have a plan to build out 
a whole bunch of facilities coming soon, you need a quick way to turn up those facilities from a technology perspective so you're not constantly trying to fix little issues down the line. Yeah. And so those are like the two basics that, you know, it almost didn't matter. I mean, if you're in retail, you might have a point of sale vendor who can come in and handle all that stuff for you, give you your iPads and just set up a little network for you if you have a small space. But it really gets more complicated when you have a facility and when you have, you know, like you have your what's called IoT or your Internet of Things. But what all that means is like, do you have sensors? You know, like, do you have things going on from a manufacturing or from a grow perspective, which need to be connected to the Internet and are generating data that you need to be able to respond, right? Like people who have moisture sensors so that they know, you know, what needs to be done from a watering perspective. And that's that's where it really starts to get interesting, because once once I know that my Internet and my Wi-Fi are never going to go down, I can do a lot with that to get more data in my business, to make better decisions, and to actually sort of uh, manage my grow or my uh, manufacturing process better. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like um, once you get that foundation in place, it gives you a lot of, lot of space to kind of build, build the business on. Yeah. And, you know, and then you have, you know, for any business who's been really impacted by COVID, for anyone who had an office that people were actually coming into back in, mm-hmm. back in February, March, there's this entire new culture thing that has to happen. You know, I mean, I think there's a there's a writer and podcaster named named Brene Brown. She studies mm-hmm. I don't know if you know her, but she studies vulnerability. Oh, yeah. And she had this podcast that she did last month, and she talks about this concept of day two, where you, she leads workshops. And in her workshops, they're three day workshops. Day one is great. Day two is like really hard, where everyone is trying to figure out what's going on. And and she likens this portion of the pandemic. And I guess. You know, I'll just say right now we're seven months in to the pandemic when we're recording yeah. this thing. Yeah. And and we're in day two because no one knows what the hell's going on. It. And it's like <laughs> we're all just kind of like, OK, the novelty is over. And, uh-huh. you know, for any. And so what I'm seeing in real time with clients is that people had never worked remotely. We had a lot of clients who are completely anti remote work. And then they just turned on Microsoft Teams or they turned on Slack because they needed a way to chat. But now they need to actually say, how do I create a remote culture, right? What are the policies? When do people need to be online? When are people not expected to be online? How do you take time off? And I think that is a really interesting part of like the large scale transformation that we're seeing with Twitter going remote forever and Atlassian going remote forever and all these tools is how do we maintain a business and how do we sort of maintain a vibrant company culture by using technology, but knowing that it's not all technology. Like we need to have the right business practices and, yeah. and we need to have the right yeah. humanity in place in our tools. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a challenge. I mean, the, the technology is a tool. It doesn't actually solve the problem. And in fact, it, you know, more technology at a system that's flawed, is just going to create a more flawed system, right? Like you have to really kind of think about so, solve the problems before you really kind of scale or, or try to fix it with technology. Exactly. So, you know, it's been, it's been really interesting. And so obviously there's a lot of ways that this, you know, pertains purely to cannabis. And I guess one more thing I'll say on this topic yeah. before we move on is, you know, now you have like a friend of mine is one of the founding members of a cannabis ERP called Backbone IQ. Uh-huh. And so what we also see is that in... You know, we have all these established players like, you know, Salesforce and Zoho, for example, in the CRM space. 
And mm-hmm. and then now we have you know we're you know three four five years in, and I think that the that the platforms are really starting to become mature now. We have players who know cannabis who are able to actually help encourage good business process for a cannabis business, and that's the other thing that we're seeing is you have to so you want to find players that understand the industry, and so just like you from a business coaching perspective and me from like a technology infrastructure and implementation perspective, you want to choose the cloud tools that understand the way that you work as well. You know, I think that that's that's important as well. Yeah. And tell me a little bit. You mentioned uh, in our kind of um, prep call that you're part of an organization, or you're part of a, a group that is a collective of technology folks that are serving some cannabis companies. Tell, tell me a little bit about that because I think that's fascinating when when uh, you actually start to network and you know create communities around the services you're providing for the industry. How, how did that play out? What is it? How is it valuable for you? Yeah. So we're we're called 420 MSP. Imagine that. And the MSP mm-hmm. is, is the name of the sort of. Uh, technology business providers, managed service providers. So 420 MSP was founded by a guy named Harry Brelsford. He's been in the, he's an author and sort of media conference guy. He's been in the space for, I don't know, 30 plus years. Um, he he was originally writing books about, about Windows Server. And he was just really working with like a very, just sort of like the basics of what an IT provider would need. And I think that he saw the writing on the wall from where he was sitting and that his media organization needed to pivot. He wrote a book focused around getting a new IT business off the ground, which, which I think is interesting. Like I was really trying to put myself in the shoes of reading his book like 12 years ago. It would have been, you know, and so I got into it just because he was taking the concept of starting an IT business, but writing it as if you wanted to only serve the cannabis vertical now. And so I I liked what he was doing. I was one of the first purchasers of his book. And the people who who sort of got into his community early, we all started to collaborate together. I do video for him. And so we're, we're building a culture to help educate other IT providers about how they can work in the cannabis space. But where that was really fascinating is we did a conference together. We did an online conference. It was supposed to be an in-person three-day event in Denver. But as so many things, we turned it into an online conference. And so we've actually got a great network of folks in Alaska, Colorado, Northern California, Southern California. There's some major, major, major players. Some of the guys have actually created an entirely separate brand for their IT company because they didn't want to mix cannabis. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, it works for me because my niche is a creative one. But if we were sort of, if we were working with more traditional industries, then we would also need that. But it's been great because, you know, we've got, we have partnerships with guys who are, um, are, I forget the name right now. I will give you the link to put into the show notes. Mm-hmm. But we've got guys who are doing like retail partnerships. We have folks like myself who are interested more in, in uh, manufacturing and, and facilities. But it's a really good way to share best practices and to see what people are doing in innovative ways, what tools people are using. And we actually were working on, it's been so far more of an IT provider focused community. But we are in the process of creating technology guides and stuff that your listeners, Bruce, would be able to benefit from as well. 
because we're really trying to show, you know, there's certain parts of technology that every business needs, right? Like I mentioned, having, having the right cloud tools and having the right computers and all that stuff. And then we're trying to help people as well understand how a someone who's familiar with the general world of cybersecurity can actually help you, you know, meet your compliance needs for cannabis in your city or in your state. Or, you know, how to show them how, you know, you might have the right amount of cameras and they're in the right place in your facility, but did you realize that you know, you can integrate your access control with your cameras. So you get a picture of everyone who walks in, you know, and you mm. and you have those records. Like we're trying to help create this, these guides with what we know about IT in general and to translate that to the cannabis community. Yeah. But, you know, generally it's just, it's just great to have community and it's nice to be able to sort of have a have a conference on this topic and put this material together. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Josh, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Uh, our website is lacreativetech.com, and my LinkedIn is just LA Creative Technologies, and, and those are both great places. We're, we're very active in posting. We have, we have content around cannabis and around general business of all kinds. Great. Now make sure that uh, everything is in the show notes so people can click through, get that information. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Great to talk, Bruce. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.